You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Pancreatic cancer, perhaps the most devastating diagnosis a patient can receive. But are we finally making some strides in this frustrating arena? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, your host, and I'm delighted to welcome in with me today Dr. Ralph Rubin, Professor of Pathology and Oncology at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, Director of the Saul Goldman Pancreatic Research Center, and one of the world's foremost authorities on pancreatic cancer. Welcome, Dr. Rubin. Lee, thank you for having me. Uh, It's our pleasure. Can you tell us how you got interested in this area? Former Chairman of Surgery here at Johns Hopkins, John Cameron, early on in his career, dedicated himself to improving pancreatic cancer surgery. He, over the years, got better and better at the surgery, and the mortality rate for pancreatic cancer surgery in his hands dropped from 20% to less than 2%. As a result, more and more patients came to Hopkins for treatment. It quickly became clear we had a real opportunity to study this devastating disease. Of course, as a practicing internist, I think of it as one of the most devastating diagnoses we can give to a patient. What are the numbers that we see with this illness? This year in the United States, it's estimated by the American Cancer Society that approximately 37,000 Americans will be diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and approximately 33,400 will die from the disease. The five-year survival rate for patients with pancreatic cancer is only 4%. So in the United States, pancreatic cancer is the fourth leading cause of cancer death in men. It's the fourth leading cause of cancer death in women. And it's the fourth leading cause of cancer death overall. Not only is it an extremely deadly disease, but it also causes really great suffering. And in the first description of pancreatic cancer by uh, the Italian physician Giovanni Battista Morgagne, Uh, In his classical work, the Cetibus, he described the pain experienced by a patient with pancreatic cancer as just as if he were being torn to pieces by dogs. Imagine the pain and suffering that these patients experience combined with the dismal survival rates. Pancreatic cancer really does, I think, the worst thing a disease can do, and that is that it robs those diagnosed of hope. And with some of the surgical advances that you were mentioning, have we made any progress, at least at Hopkins, in having uh, better numbers than we see nationally? Certainly, the survival rate for patients who are operative candidates is significantly improved. The challenge is that the vast majority of patients with pancreatic cancer don't come to clinical attention until after their cancer has spread beyond the pancreas and they're no longer surgical candidates. And so, hence, a great deal of our research goes into understanding the fundamentals of pancreatic cancer uh, and applying that to improved patient care. And I'm familiar with that clinically as the, the dreaded painless jaundice and no other symptoms or signs prior to a metastatic problem. Yeah, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. There are a variety of presenting signs that patients have, back pain, epigastric pain, painless jaundice, and many of these, unfortunately, don't become manifest until very late in the course of the disease after the cancer has spread to the liver or other organs. And in those situations, the treatments simply aren't effective. And risk factors, uh, do those help at all in targeting who we should perhaps be more aggressive with? Yeah, certainly age is a significant risk factor for pancreatic cancer. The peak incidence of pancreatic cancer is in the seventh to eighth decades of life. And most cases occur between the ages of 60 and 80. Pancreatic cancer is rare before the age of 40. Pancreatic cancer is more common in men than in women, with a male-to-female ratio about 1.3 to 1. Interestingly, it's been reported that pancreatic cancer is more common in Jews than in Catholics and Protestants. 
And there are obviously some behavioral factors that play a role. Cigarette smoking has been consistently identified as a risk factor for pancreatic cancer. In most studies, cigarette smoking doubles the risk of pancreatic cancer. And there appears to be a dose response with a trend toward a greater risk with a greater lifetime uh, consumption of cigarettes. Fortunately for the, those in the audience who smoke, uh, smoking sensation has been shown to reduce the risk of pancreatic cancer, and the risk of pancreatic cancer drops to that of non-smokers about 10 years of abstinence. There are a number of dietary factors that are associated with pancreatic cancer, diets high in meat, pork products, fats and nitrates, and total energy uh, increase one's risk, while uh, diets high in fruits and vegetables appear to be protective. And that higher energy diet, does that correlate with greater weight, obesity? Body mass index of greater than 30 kilograms per meter squared and physical inactivity have been in associated with an increased risk of pancreatic cancer. Unfortunately, for those who are, of us who are tall, uh, being tall is also increases one's risk of pancreatic cancer. Some things we can control and, and try to work on weight and cigarette smoking and the like, but nothing sufficiently specific enough to point us to screen certain people. Family history is a strong uh, indication of who may or may not benefit from screening. Our research is based on the hypothesis that pancreatic cancer is fundamentally a genetic disease, a disease caused by inherited and acquired mutations in cancer-associated genes. We know a number of these genes that are altered somatically. That means these are acquired mutations, and these include genes such as the P16 tumor suppressor gene, the KRAS oncogene, P53, DPC4, and others. You are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and I'm speaking with Dr. Ralph Rubin, Professor of Pathology and Oncology at Johns Hopkins and Director of the Sal Goldman Pancreatic Research Center. And we are just now touching on some of the implications of genetics for the development of pancreatic cancer. Is it sufficient to have one relative, or do you need to have a, a number of relatives in order to have a significantly increased risk? There have been some studies that have looked at just that question. There's a wonderful study from Iceland that appeared in the Public Library of Science in 2004, and they did a study that they could only do in Iceland in which they linked all cancer cases diagnosed in Iceland after 1955 using the Iceland Cancer Registry. They then linked that to their gene logic database, DECODE, this includes, I think, 687,000 individuals. And then they uh, looked for an association between having a first-degree family relative with pancreatic cancer and the risk of pancreatic cancer and found if you have one family member with pancreatic cancer, uh, your risk of developing pancreatic cancer yourself is more than doubled. It's 2.3-fold increased. In 1994, we established the National Familial Pancreas Tumor Registry to try and collect more families to determine whether or not this aggregation holds and if we could identify the gene or genes that's responsible for that aggregation. And already to date, I think we follow close to 2,400 families have enrolled in our registry. And I'd like to put a plug in, if I can, for individuals who know somebody with pancreatic cancer or have a family history of pancreatic cancer to join that registry, the National Familial Pancreas Tumor Registry. How practically should they do that? Is that through the physicians or through the patients themselves? Either a patient can self-refer themselves or a physician can refer a patient. And the phone number, if I can give it on the air, is 410-955-3502. And the email address is pancreas at jhmi.edu. Okay, very good. 
that will certainly be helpful as we move forward uh, to get more data that we can analyze and look at. Using this registry database to follow up on your question of does having a family history increase one's risk, we were then able to look at uh, follow these families prospectively and there have been already 52 incident pancreatic cancers reported in families that have joined our registry. So you can imagine these families that have already lost three or four family members having a new family member with pancreatic cancer. And this has allowed us to quantify the risk. And so if one has two first-degree relatives with pancreatic cancer, the, we found the risk of pancreatic cancer to be six-fold elevated. If you have three family members with pancreatic cancer, and probably the most famous example of that is former President Jimmy Carter, who you know lost both of his sisters, his brother, and probably his father to pancreatic cancer. If you have three or, or more family members, or first-degree relatives with pancreatic cancer, one's risk of developing pancreatic cancer is 32-fold increased. Those are relative risks. Can we get a feel for what the absolute risk is? Yeah, so pancreatic cancer is, is a relatively rare disease in the population, even though it's very deadly. But I think in the highest risk, so the ones that are 32-fold, you're looking at about a 300 out of 100,000 people per year. So you're starting to enter into a realm where screening may be possible. A lot of that may be the environment and not a gene. could be that being a peanut farmer increases one's risk of developing pancreatic cancer, and that's why the Carters developed it have such a high rate of pancreatic cancer. And so a great deal of our research goes into trying to determine is it the gene or the environment. Early on, we conducted segregation analyses, which is a statistical methodology aimed at determining if a major gene can cause observed patterns of inheritance and kindreds. And we found that using segregation analysis that the simplest or most parsimonious model for pancreatic cancers in families is that of an autosomal dominant inheritance of a rare allele. So it looks like it has a genetic basis, and we're already starting to identify some of those genes. It's unbelievable that you've been able to make those type of strides. So we're not entirely sure how much nature versus nurture contributes to the ultimate development of the malignancy. Right, but I think already we know some of the genes that are responsible for familial pancreatic cancer. These include the second breast cancer gene, BRCA2, that's responsible for the breast and ovarian cancer syndrome, P16, which is a gene that causes familial atypical multiple mole melanoma syndrome, familial pancreatitis, in which the affected individuals develop pancreatitis at a very young age of onset, and Peutz-Jäger syndrome, you know, with the melanocytic macules on the lips and buccal mucosa and the hemartomatous polyps of the GI tract. All of those are, are known to increase the risk of pancreatic cancer, and we can quantify that risk. So individuals with a germline BRCA2 mutation have about a three to tenfold increased risk of developing pancreatic cancer and that would translate to about a 5% lifetime risk of pancreatic cancer. Individuals with familial atypical multiple mole melanoma syndrome, and as that suggests, they have multiple nevi, atypical nevi, and even melanomas, have about a 20 to 30-fold increased risk of pancreatic cancer. So then their lifetime risk starts to approach 10 to 16%. Very significant. Yeah. It gets even higher with familial pancreatitis, where those individuals have a 50 to 80-fold increased risk and that translates to about a 25 to 40% lifetime risk of pancreatic cancer. And then probably the highest are individuals with Peutz-Jäger syndrome who have a, probably a 100-fold increased risk of pancreatic cancer. And their risk of developing pancreatic cancer can be as high as 36% by the age of 60.
So this uh, violates Yogi Berra's uh, famous saying, it's hard to make predictions, especially about the future, based on someone's genetic status, make predictions of uh, what their risk of pancreatic cancer is. Well, I want to thank uh, Dr. Ralph Rubin, who's been our guest as we've been discussing the genetics of pancreatic cancer. Uh, We've gone over how certain genes have already been identified and uh, certain associations with different medical conditions have been identified that greatly increase one's chance of developing pancreatic cancer and also talked about how when you have relatives, uh, one relative with pancreatic cancer increases the risk by 2.3%, two with it, 6%, and three or more, as with the Carters, uh, 32-fold increased risk. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.